Thank you, producer Craig. Um, hey, welcome to Remember That Guy, the podcast where we mine our memories for uh, you know peripheral players of past and present. Uh, my name is James Fulweiler, and I am pleased, as always, to bring you Remember That Guy on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, with me is my co-host, Justin Diaz. How we doing? And uh, we have our increasingly permanent, very special guest, Xavier Perez, on the line as well, uh, joining us today. Hello, Xavier. Hello, James. Hello, Diaz. Uh, so, guys, uh, to kick it off with making memories this week, uh, I've got I got two quick ones. One is from uh, we're we're going to talk NBA and WNBA. Uh, I'll go ahead and actually just start with the WNBA because just moments ago we are recording this uh, Sunday, the seventeenth. Uh, Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloot just led the Chicago Sky to their first ever WNBA championship. Uh, Candace Parker, Chicago hometown. Uh, this is her first season ever away from the Sparks, and uh, I I will admit, while I did think that Chicago was scary at the start of the season with Vandersloot and Parker, um, I I would not have necessarily paid them for winning the finals. Uh, but it's a really phenomenal story. I, even even LeBron took two years when he came back to Cleveland uh, for her to come back in one season uh, and and do that as as really along with Courtney Vandersloot, who is also just incredible. Um, as the centerpiece uh kudos to the chicago sky uh i'm glad that it wasn't phoenix after they beat the aces um the other one uh this being uh just after the most recent indigenous people's day uh the day before after a w uh sorry an nba preseason uh game between the spurs and the orlando magic uh greg popovich was asked during the post game about columbus day uh by by the reporter and um, he had some words, and I won't go too into them, but to paraphrase at one point, he, he made what I think is an excellent point, uh, which is to anyone saying that uh, trying to erase, quote-unquote, uh, Christopher Columbus from history is, is discriminatory towards Italians. Well, that's like saying that trying to uh, point out how bad Hitler is is discriminatory to Germans. Um, and, and he did use that exact comparison and i really appreciate greg popovich for being someone that just never minces words um you need people like that in in a league that has as much sway over you know people's lives and and cultural intake uh, as it does so those are the two i'm going to say candace parker and greg popovich are making memories for me right now um diaz who's who's filling your memory holes so, you know, not all memories are good. Um, in fact, I think as sports fans, we like to look back on the crazy times uh, that stand out even more than the wins sometimes. And right now, I just need to say, for the record, in perpetuity, for all history, what the fuck, Ben Simmons? This is the craziest thing. It gets crazier every day. It gets crazier every minute. It's just insane to me. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to say to this, because I agree with you. It's, it's, it's absolutely been it. The Markel Fultz thing was maybe the weirdest thing to ever happen to a number one overall pick in history. Like that was got how to shoot. It it was just incredibly bizarre, and and it felt like at the time the the balm for you all, uh, for you Sixers fans was, hey, at least the other number one overall Ben Simmons pick worked out, and now that has become the only story that I think rivals the Markel Fultz story for just bizarre trajectories of number one overall picks. Um, it's, it's really something. Uh, it's just, Kwame- it's, yeah, no, Kwame, Kwame is his own thing. And like, I mean, 
you could do like a whole psychological study of how being selected by the goat and then being you know torn down in front of your teammates by the goat on a daily basis probably had something to do with Kwame not developing but like just the thing that kills me about Ben is like I've never heard an athlete complain that his team was too good and that's like precisely what the Ben Simmons camp is saying now is oh we were too good too quick and he never had the chance to learn and like he never had the chance to fail and it's like if you talk to any Philadelphia fan or anybody that's coached Ben Simmons in Philadelphia whether it's Brett or whether it's Doc it's like no dude like I've wanted nothing more than to see you like suck at shooting jump shots. I've wanted to see that for the past five <laughs> years. Like, please shoot them and please be bad at them because that's how you get better. And like, it's just, I, 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 there's a small part of me that doesn't want to see him play for us, but like, I need to see how he's treated by the fans at the home opener next Friday against the Nets. If he does uh, actually play. I, so I posed this question to the fantasy basketball chat. I'm in, is there ever an instance where a, a member of the home team is going to be booed as viciously as he is going to be booed by his own, you know, nominal fans. Um, it, I cannot think of one off the top of my head of, of a like star and a multiple time all-star who's just going to get maybe Eric Lindros. Honestly, if you want to stay in Philadelphia, maybe Eric Lindros. Um, and maybe it's just possibly I think of one. Yeah. I think of one. So when A Rod came back from his uh, from his year long suspension, true. Oh, that's Yankee valid. fans booed the hell out of him. That's valid. Still, the Red Sox hit him multiple times, and then started cheering him again because we hate the Red Sox more than we hate drug cheats. That game, I loved that game. His first game in Boston after he came back because just there's it was just so heated all around and like. He got thrown at, and then Girardi gets ejected for standing up for him. And then he goes on to hit a home run in that same game. Like, regardless of whatever you think of Alex Rodriguez, I just love the idea of you threw at me, I'm going to take you yard now. Like, exactly. It's just, it's good narrative. Like, it's good narrative structure. Um, I remember from when he returned from his first suspension, uh, it was a game at the Orioles, and just these dudes had $5 uh, styrofoam hand syringes that you could get outside the stadium that said Aroid. They sold like 500 of those that night and they were pretty much all in the bleachers. Uh, they killed us. They absolutely annihilated us that night. Like it was a brutal loss. Um, but man, there was a moment before that game where it was just a, a sea of foam syringes and uh, good gracious if, if that wasn't very amusing to uh, to high school James. Um, oh, but anyway, to, to, to wrap up, yes, Ben Simmons is, you know, traumatizing me on a daily basis, uh, but it will be memorable and I will remember it. So Ben Simmons, you piece of shit, get your shit together. You're making memories for me. That's that's straight from the Diaz's mouth. Um, well, Xavier, do you have memories, good or bad for us? Now I'm now I'm interested to see. I'll, I'll bring a good one in. Um, shout out to uh, Yoros Karlaftis, otherwise known as George. Uh the star defensive end for Purdue, who was a one-man wrecking ball last night, ending Iowa's dream season. Uh, Ten pressures by himself, the most anyone has ever put against that Iowa offensive line as far as as far back as they have as Pro Football Focus has stats. Those are those are some corn-fed country Spencer, boys. That's a serious offensive he made, line. He made Spencer Petrus's life hell. 
And I just I love that you know, we just have a, a Greek guy who grew up playing water polo for the Greek national uh, water polo team. Oh, he's is the, now the water most dominant. polo guy. He's the water polo guy. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that, Xavier. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. I like that, that I, I like that there it has been just as you move towards like this better conditioning and like making people the best bodies, it feels like there are more of those stories of people moving from one sport to the other because eventually like if you're just I, I don't love using this language because we are talking about human beings, but I'm going to just it, if you were just a strong physical specimen and just like a perfect athletic person, there's just a lot of shit that you can do in sports right now. Um, again, not to dehumanize them. They are people. Um, and some of them are guys. And that's my attempt to segue. And we're going to go ahead um, and move on to our three guys this week. Um, either, either of you guys feeling frisky? Are you guys feisty? Want to start? I will kick us off. All right. Um, so, um, as soon as the theme for this week, which was uh, those players, those guys, I should say, uh, who are best known for their contributions on the international stage, um, my mind couldn't help but immediately go to one of the greatest upsets in Olympic basketball history. The first team to ever beat the United States men's basketball team while they were employing professional basketball players in the NBA um, was, in fact, a subsidiary of the USA, smaller part of it. Um, La Isla del Encanto, Puerto Rico, beating USA 92 to 73 and led by the only NBA player on that team, Carlos Arroyo. Carlos Arroyo is my Carlos Arroyo. Fuck, that's good. All right. Yes, I'm buckled up. Let's go. Carlos Arroyo. Carlos Arroyo, born in Fajardo, Puerto Rico, uh, played collegiately for Florida International um, from 97 to 2001. Interestingly enough, though, his professional career started before that. As a 17-year-old, he played for Torduros de Fajardo uh, in the Puerto Rican Basketball League, which is actually one of the better leagues outside of the NBA um, in the world. Nice. Question, so, is that like, yes. is this an instance of, uh, again, not to, to try and throw any disparaging remarks, is this an instance of like a birth certificate that said he was 18 or older or were like 17-year-olds able to play in the professional league at this time there? No, he was able to play. It was okay, like fully awesome. above board. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how it worked with the NCAA, but like who really knows the NCAA's rules? They kind of just yeah, it kind it's of Calvin do Ball. their own thing. Exactly. Exactly. The rules are made up. The points don't matter. All that good stuff. <laughs> um, but Carlos Arroyo, so played his four years for Florida International, um, starts his career with the Toronto Raptors. Don't need to talk too much about his NBA career. Um, I'll get to it later, actually. There's a very interesting nugget about his NBA career a little later. But, um, you know, just keeping with the theme, the reason why I picked Carlos Arroyo was that 2004 victory over USA. Um, and it's very interesting because, um, you know, obviously Puerto Rico and USA play each other in exhibitions a good amount. USA absolutely slaughtered Puerto Rico about three weeks earlier. Um, but... I was reading about the game and it was almost by design that Puerto Rico got slaughtered in that game. So they whipped out a zone defense in the first five minutes of it, which really confounded USA. 
And the coach immediately said, okay, I think we have something here. Let's not do this anymore in this game. Let's keep this tool in our <laughs> I box. I love that. Let's let oh, ourselves yes. get run over man-to-man defense. <clears throat> let them think they're so much better. Because um, that USA team had a rookie LeBron, had a rookie Carmelo, okay. had Allen Iverson. Um, it had Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan I was about to say, it's got to have Timmy for me, yeah. Um, so, you know, a, a very loaded team. And in hindsight, everybody says, oh, well, the pieces didn't mesh together, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear any of that shit, okay? No, I, the- I hate when people try to make that argument when we're throwing, like, multiple first-team all-pro players at it. Like, I, I'm sorry, you can say that, that it's schematic and all of that. It's the best players in the world. Like, it's it's still fun and exciting when they do lose sometimes because the other people that are doing it are also among the hundred or so best in the world, probably. Um, but but anytime anyone says that about USA basketball, I'm just like, come on, come on, man. Right. It's like we're still we're still talking about like the elite of the elite. Whether or not they're a perfect mesh, like good basketball players should get together and figure it out. But anyway, one thing that is very interesting um, is that this victory could have not, it did not derail his NBA career because he still was in the league for about five six more years after that. However. In the season prior, he uh, you know, was making his progression, um, started with the Raptors, went to the Jazz. He started all 71 games that he played for the Jazz in the 03-04 season, which leads into the 04 Olympics. Okay. And many theorize that it was, in fact, the victory and Carlos Arroyo's uh, bravado in popping the Puerto Rico off his jersey um, soured a lot of people in the NBA to him. So following season he only starts 16 games for utah um and then bounces around he got traded to detroit he stuck there for a year never started a game in detroit um went to orlando only started games in a uh a replacement backup capacity and Um, like these aren't i mean i guess orlando's making the finals around then and detroit is recently removed from a title core but like utah's not making a lot of noise in the mid-2000s like it's not like there's uh, to my knowledge, unless correct me if I'm incorrect, but there's not all stars beating down the door to to take those. Spots oh, exactly, exactly. Um, Darren Williams did come in, I think, a little later than that. Um, Darren Williams, one of the quickest falls from grace. Um, not in a off court bad guy perspective, but in a holy shit, you were good at this sport and now you're not perspective. Um, that's a story for another episode. Um, but. Carlos Arroyo did uh, make a return to the starting lineup as the starting point guard for the first half of the season of the big three in the Miami Heat. The 2010-11 season, before they got Mario Chalmers, it was actually Carlos Arroyo was the starting point guard for, for those, uh, the, the big three Heat teams. Nice. Did, and he... Incredible. Yeah, did he stick around at all, like in a backup once he came up? Was he coming off the bench with like Birdman and them? He did not. So he started, he actually was in Miami the year before um, and then stuck around enough. Uh, he was the starting point guard to begin the next season. Um, and at the deadline, he ended up getting shipped to Boston, actually. Oh, so, okay. Shout out Dropkick Murphys. He got shipped up to Boston. That um, did end his NBA career. Um, he had a gap year between going to Orlando and Miami where um, he actually played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. In the nice. Israeli league slash the Euro league, 
Um, and he actually thrived there. You could say that uh, is what led to him getting the chance with the Heat because he uh, led the league in assists and he was the MVP of the finals in leading Maccabi Tel Aviv to victory in the Israeli Basketball League. Um, so I was able to help relaunch his career. And one last nugget that I can say about Carlos Arroyo is uh, a big thing in Puerto Rico. We love our basketball. We also love our reggaeton. And Carlos Arroyo, in his early playing career, did dabble in music. He recorded some songs, um, but nothing that really blew up. Um, But in 2020, he blessed us with his hit single, Baila Reggaeton. Uh, which figured, uh, which featured a popular duo, Zion and Lennox, uh, which is also big on the island, came okay. an international hit. And to the extent that I've, I, in my doing my research, I read um, articles about Carlos Arroyo ascending to the top of the reggaeton world. He's considered one of the top reggaeton artists in the world now. Oh my um, goodness, that's that adds enormous points. So I just want to go through his list of singles. So the first batch uh, from 2009 to 2011 um, is when he was still playing, not able to fully focus on it, but we have Oculto Secreto, Se Va Conmigo, Alemos en la Luna, Imaginarme, Estamos Ready. He drops all of these from 2009 to 11. Then he takes his nine-year break to come back with Bailamos Reggaeton, and he has since also dropped Aruba and Eroe. So check out Carlos Arroyo on iTunes. You can also check out his basketball highlights on YouTube. Um, but he's a man of many talents. He's a man that led the greatest upset in Olympic basketball history, for my money, at least. Um, and Carlos Arroyo for awakening the Puerto Rican pride in an 11-year-old boy. Um, you are my guy this week. That's that's phenomenal. The, literally, like the only thing I could think of that was not a bigger that would might have been a bigger upset was just the you know the fact that the U.S. didn't win the gold that time. Like right, the actual right. Olympic, well, that like that's it. It's all that Olympics, and that's this is like the the maybe this isn't David slaying Goliath, but this is David's buddy getting a stone to like hit Goliath on the eye. Doesn't quite take him out, but now David's gears are turning. Uh, and, and, you know, the, well, David doesn't give enough credit to his buddy. Um, who is David's buddy in the Bible? There is a guy that's like his buddy. And then <laughs> I think he kills him later to marry his wife or something like that. There is definitely a moment in the Bible. This is a huge tangent. I'm very sorry, but there is a moment in the Bible where King David's, you know, this great guy, uh, does like spy a woman bathing naked. Be like, yo, she's hot. Uh, real quick. Can we send her husband on like a, a war battle somewhere? Um, <laughs> you know, a war battle as opposed to other battles. And, uh, and he gets killed and then David just comes over and fucks his wife. That's a thing that happens in the Bible. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Sounds like the, the Bible's Bible. full. The Bible's full of all kinds of interesting characters when you yeah. actually read it. That is that is David and Goliath. David, King David, like the star of David guy. Um, right. Wild. Right. Wild. Yeah, that was uh, yeah Argentina won that year, and that was like oh, their so golden generation they because they had Manu, Luis Scola, uh, Andre Smotioni. Have you ever looked at a picture of like bald Luis Scola next to that picture of handsome Squidward? Because it it it's it's quite uh, striking. Um, very incredibly handsome man, Luis Scola. Just for a guy that like his like defining thing was like, oh, you got the long hair with the headband, and then at the end he's like, 
It was it was remarkable. He and Manu both. He and Manu both <clears> just <throat> ate, I like what pair of people have aged bald you know, balded so gracefully. It it just just seamless, like we're gonna embrace this and we're gonna fucking rock it. Um some great guys all around. Uh but Carlos Arroyo, that's that's an absolutely phenomenal guy. Um I love that. Thank you. Uh Xavier's the guest. I'm happy to offer you a uh, second go, unless you would like me to tell you about uh, a lovely guy. Uh, I'll go. Um, was uh, my guy was inspired by uh, the sign off from last week uh, because guys don't have to be men. Guys don't have guy, to be guys don't have to be men. Maybe not. My guy is Sean Johnson. Okay. Olympic yes. Oh, I remember Sean Johnson. Yes. Fuck yes. I remember that guy. The original, so, um, oh yeah, gymnast. Go ahead, go ahead. John Johnson, America's sweetheart. For about four or five years, she was everywhere. You could, you could, you could not turn on the TV without seeing Sean Johnson. So, Sean Johnson, only slightly older than us, which kind of makes me feel terrible. <laughs> she was born in January of 1992. She's from Iowa, uh, born in Des Moines. She was doing gymnastics at three. Which seems kind of crazy, but apparently that's a pretty standard age to start gymnastics. Yeah. That's the that's... thing that's crazy about gymnastics. Like, your parents basically have to make the decision for you to do it. Like, it can be, if you don't know what it is when you're young and don't express it, like, if you come to it at four or five, even, you're never going to be flexible enough to be like a, an elite level gymnast. It's an insane sport. Well, it's also like, no, I don't feel as bad to know that um, she's about our age because gymnastics is a sport where, like, your prime is, like, 15 to 20. Yeah. P- particularly in women's gymnastics. Uh, totally. And uh, so she ended up joining a, like, official gymnastics school when she was six with this, um, uh, this Chinese coach who had coached China's uh, women's uh, national gymnastics team. Um, she trained under him uh, from the time she was six until she turned pro at age of 15, as he has so astutely uh, pointed as out. As one does. <laughs> so, what do. She begins her senior career in 2007 uh, at the age of 15. Rookie year, she was unstoppable. So she swept every competition she, she entered. She won a gold in the all-around at the American Cup in uh, about February in February of that year. She won four golds at the Pan American Games in Rio, which was in uh, June. That included the all-around and the team gold. And then in the World Championships in Germany uh, later on that year, she won another three golds, including the all-around, the floor exercise, and the team. So 2008 rolls around. She's considered, you know, the top can one of the top uh, gymnasts in the world, and you know widely expected to compete for the gold at the Olympics. She competes in the uh, U.S. Olympic trials in Philly, qualifies first, gets a spot in all the events. Fortunately, she gets to the Olympics. She only ends up getting one gold in the balance beam because she loses to her own teammate, Nastia Lukin, in the all-around. And the U.S. lost to China in the team. Yeah. It was the first I time remember. that the U.S. ever had first and second for, for the women's gymnastics for the all-around, but 
kind of feel bad for Nastia Lukin because no one wanted her to win. I see. I actually, I was going to actually say, I remember the Nastia Lukin chase and I remember getting very into like, yeah, I, I had heard, I really like the Olympics. So I had heard about Sean Johnson coming into this and it, there was something very exciting about this person that I didn't know a lot about on the team kind of like going toe to toe with this because it was with that safety net of, Hey, we've got the top two. Like even, even if the, the, the golden child doesn't win, if it's another team member, that's still pretty cool. Um, I was, I, can, I was kind of pro Nastia Lucan in this. If I can interject with an aside about that same team, because it's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Oh, please. Um, so the captain of that gymnastics team, uh, was actually Alicia Sacramone. Um, she went to Brown, I believe. Um, and right around the 08 Olympics, there was an amazing video that came out. Um, she was at, I believe, like some frat party at Brown. And, you know, one of the frat guys, you know, as they are wont to do, was flexing his bravado, saying, like, you're not that strong. Like, you're not, I'm not that impressed. And she said, no. I bet if I threw a right straight, I would knock you out. And the guy said, all right, go for it. No, so, you know, sticks his jaw out. And sure enough, Alicia Sacramone, little 5'2", um, absolutely rocks this guy's shit, knocks him out cold. Um, He's such oh. a good guy. Fuck yes. <laughs> so I just, I, the video may or may not still be on the internet. I hope it's still out there somewhere. But Alicia Sacramone, right to the jaw. Um, Smashing the patriarchy in a very literal sense. Um, so it was very. I wonder how Brady Quinn that. feels knowing that his wife could kick his ass. It's you know that can go both ways. <laughs> <laughs> For some, that may be a good thing. So back to Sean Johnson. Now, she doesn't do as well in the Olympics as she thought, but she's still America's sweetheart. Everyone still loves her. She ended up going straight to Dancing with the Stars after, uh, after the Olympics, and she won. She- Doesn't that feel like cheating? Doesn't that feel like cheating a little bit? Like, Dancing with the Stars, and we're going to take somebody whose, like, entire sport is, like, contorting their body and being in full control of each limb. And, like, Here's what I'll say. And, like, with the floor routine, you're literally, like, Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it, I feel like it's fair unless you do floor routine a lot. Like, if you do floor routine a lot, yeah, no, you you kind of have this. Though, to be fair, like, when you get an NFL player, like they often do, the dudes have good footwork. Like, it, right, yeah. right. Yes, anyone that isn't a professional athlete on Dancing with the Stars should be intimidated by the professional athletes. I bet if we look up the Dancing with the Stars, it's got to be, like, 80% won by professional athletes. athletes athletes definitely athletes in general but just like in particular yeah like a, like a floor gymnast it's like, like taking some weight from a calculus class and being like hey like can you fucking do the pythagorean theorem and figure out this triangle like yes obviously i can come on <laughs> uh was there anyone good that she beat in this x were there any particularly good celebrities that she defeated I can check. Uh, I didn't see anyone like that really seemed super interesting. Um, no bangers. No, I don't. I don't really see. I didn't see any any bangers for that. That's fine. Uh, I mean, we're talking about mid B list stars in two thousand eight. I don't think that that we're going to get any real heaters there. Um, 
But okay, so she wins. She wins. Steve-o. Cars. Stevo. Oh man, that's pretty solid. Steve, you hold on now. Like, I'm. I'm sorry. I have the list up right now. Stevo was on that season. Lawrence Taylor, LT was on that. Wait, season. Lawrence LT Taylor was on that season. <laughs> I didn't see that. Lawrence Taylor was on that season. Um, yeah, there he is. And uh, the only other name I recognize is uh, Lil Kim. Lil Kim Lil was Kim. on that season. Oh man. Oh man, this is Steve-O coming off Jackass 3 Heat. Or 3D. This is Jackass 3D Heat right there. Uh, yes. Good for you, Steve. I only saw, I only saw the, the last couple weeks. So none of those like famous celebrities made it to, you know, makes sense. the last, last yeah, Lawrence, eight or nine. Lawrence Taylor when he's pushing like, what, 40-something years old? At that point, yeah. So that yeah. was LT, LT is LT, but, but that's, that's oh, was... getting up there. He was 50 at the time. So like fi- exactly in, like as a football player, he's still able to move. He was uh he made it to impressive. he was the seventh eliminated, so he made it. That's incredible. hey, that's great. That's a phenomenal showing by Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence right Taylor in middle, right in the middle. For yeah, LT. Lawrence Taylor, if you hear this out there, I'm proud of you for dancing that well. That's great. <laughs> um so Sean Johnson danced real good. Yes. In, in fact, uh, so 2009, Forbes does a survey to find the most liked athlete in America. John Johnson is number one. James, you might enjoy who was number 10 on that on that list. I, I looked up this survey. Uh, what year? Number 10. The number 10 most liked athlete in America in 2009 was Tim Duncan. I was about to say, it's got to be Timmy. It's got to be. He's so lovable. He's just so he's just great. I miss the Tim least, Duncan. Like, every day. like is there I, anyone to... that hates Tim Duncan? Like, you might not love him, but is there anyone that hates Tim Duncan? I will say there are certain segments of the basketball world, and I don't agree with these people, but they just fucking hate the bank shot because they feel like it's corny. Um, hey, so I, that's uh, the only just, person I could say. I don't agree with that. Get good thing. is what I say to those people. Get good and buckets or buckets. Yeah, fucking go be a walking double-double for 20 years. Um, God, I love Tim Duncan. Was So, question, actually, I'm, I feel like I'm remembering, did Sean Johnson have a cameo in The Secret Life of the American Teenager one season? I feel like she had a walk-on cameo in season two during all of this, because my sister was incredibly into, uh, and honestly... She did. September 2008. Fuck yeah, because my sister was right so into uh, ABC Family at this point, and that continued for a while, even to it becoming uh, Freeform. In case you didn't know that ABC Family is called Freeform now. Um, yeah, that's Sean Johnson definitely had it. I like vividly remember this now. That's that's that is pretty impressive. There's not a lot of Olympic athletes turning that into even small cameo walk-on roles on fucking like hour-long shows. She did a lot more television after that. So, unfortunately, she tore her ACL in beginning of 2010 skiing, and it pretty much ended her gymnastics career for the most part. She attempted a comeback um, and did actually get to compete again in the uh, Pan American Games in the end of 2011. She got a got a gold uh, for the for the team and uh, a silver on the um, on the on, on the uneven bars. Flared up again, knee injury flared up again, had to retire at 2012, age of 20. Then she competed on Dancing with the Stars again. Dancing with the Stars, All-Stars edition. 
Okay, I was going to say, this has to be some kind of, like, I'm not allowing you to just come back and wreck shop again if you've already done that once. But okay, it's, that's your Jeopardy tournament but of champions. That's fine. She, she lost in the finale of Dancing with the Stars All-Stars to the person that she beat in the finale of, uh, of her previous season. Oh my god. This is the best rivalry of her career. Wait, so, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I need to know. Who, and who is that? So, uh, Melissa Rycroft, former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, uh, had, had finished again, uh, again as a finalist. With, again, with the roles that are basically professional dancing. And again, the cheerleaders are incredible athletes. This is not me trying to, to downplay that. This is me trying to point out we're basically saying that you have to be an Olympic-level gymnast or a professional cheerleading athlete to have a shot at Dancing with the Stars. Well, because this it was, was All-Stars, it had all the good people on it. Emmett That's, Smith yeah. was on this season. Emmett Smith Hell had already yeah. won this season. Uh, Apollo Anton Ono had also won uh, previously. Elio Castroneves. It was, it was an interesting season. But you know, a- after this, she has a bunch of television appearances. She was on the Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, part was part of a show called The uh, Adventure Capitalists. Uh, she was on The Challenge, which is one of Caitlin's favorite TV shows. And she was on Family Feud. But uh, hey, for the most the part, circuit. she focuses now. She has a uh, a YouTube channel called uh, <laughs> it, it's it's called um, The East Family. So she married um, an ex NFL log snapper, Andrew East. And so their family, uh, her, Andrew, and their two small children, they have this family YouTube channel. It's pretty well. They got they have over a million million subscribers. But uh, it, it's it's wholesome family content. Uh, their most watched video they have is a short uh, a short video that's called the cutest daddy daughter date, which is just a minute of husband holding their daughter. That's precious. Yeah, and, I mean, this is what just she, to make sure when we say wholesome want. family, we're saying like good wholesome family, and not we're secretly harboring a lot of terrible prejudices. Wholesome family, right? No, it no. Seems, I, I, she seems chill. She seems good and chill. But I just want to confirm. You have a little house she, on the prairie, but what you led, don't. She know led about. the pledge of allegiance <laughs> at the Democratic National Convention in two thousand eight. That's fine. That's pretty okay. But uh, we'll we'll yeah, take she, people that like at least go with the party that isn't fascists. But, uh, I did Fascism enjoy it. Life. Their most recent video is called Asking My Wife Juicy Questions Guys Are Too, Fra- Too Afraid to Ask. Rated PG. It's, it's I'm, st- I'm, stifling, I'm stifling like <laughs> laughter that would blow out the ears of anyone listening to this. Like I'm trying so hard <laughs> not to cackle at that right now. Um, goodness gracious me. I'm trying to think what even an example of like a juicy PG question would be like has anyone ever kissed your neck what's the hardest you ever had your hand held (laughs) who was the who was your first who was the first hand that you held i think that's really what it is like we need to go back to who's who was that middle school boyfriend that first grabbed your sweaty palm i have a good one from the video (laughs) i ask you where you want to go to dinner and you say i don't care is that actually true Ooh, okay. Oh, right. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I don't hate that. We were I, 
I I kind of apologize for playing fun of them because that's that's not a worthless question. God, what a uh, what a great family! <laughs> I was very happy when I found this YouTube channel. I, I I enjoy that this is what they do now. Yeah, I'm I am happy to plug this YouTube channel one more time. Give us give us that <laughs> that URL. The East Family. The East Family. Hell yeah! Go see go see Sean Johnson continue to be awesome after retiring at the age of 20 and then just going on that's such a like it's so cool to see someone just go on the reality show circuit basically and just be good at reality tv i also just i love so where my brain immediately goes okay we have the east family so we need to reject the west family about kanye we're bad about kim we need nice wholesome content (laughs) the only west we need is jerry west the only west we need is jerry west we stay there and we stay happy yeah logo Reject well, East, it, embrace East. <laughs> um, Xavier, thank you for Sean Johnson. That was incredible. Um, and, and coincidental, because guess what? We are going to stay in the 2008 Olympics for a moment. Um, we're going to take a moment to... We're, we are going to go to a very specific moment in the 2008 Olympics before cutting back for some exposition. Um, it is August 11th. It is pretty early in the day in Beijing, China. But it is uh, roughly 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and people are crowded around their screens to see the 4x100 freestyle relay. Um, this is the, the second... There, I, I don't know where it falls on like actual events, but this is the second event that everyone in the country is watching because it is the second uh, potential gold medal race for Michael Phelps. And right now, we are standing on the block with uh, the, the anchor of the United States team. As, uh, as Cullen Jones is coming up, uh, there is a man by the name of Jason Leshack standing there on the block uh, across from the absolutely terrifying Frenchman, Elaine Bernard. And Jason Leshack is about to become a, a, an eternal American legend. Um, so I will, I will real quick preface by saying the city of Baltimore has, outside of the Ravens Super Bowls, never been more obsessed with a sporting like attempt in my life than they were with Michael Phelps's eight gold medals. And I understand that he is an American swimmer, and I'm not trying to take away the joy that he brought to everyone across the country for that. Like we are so glad that he could bring that to everyone. With that being said. Baltimore goes fucking apeshit for Michael Phelps. We love Michael Phelps so much. We love Katie Ledecky so much. They go to the same pool. They trained at the same pool that, like, my family was members of when we were kids. Like, we absolutely love it. Meadowbrook, their swim team is the Flying Tomatoes. Um, What a name. (laughs) The Flying Tomatoes at Meadowbrook at the North Baltimore Aquatic Center, uh, which produced Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky. However... We are going across the country. We're going to go to California, uh, where Jason Leshack, and I'm trying very hard to pronounce that correctly. It is a very Jewish name, um, Leshack. So it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, again, going, I don't know why I'm referencing the Bible so much today. That's weird. Um, anyway, Jason Leshack, uh, he is a Jewish gentleman from a very Jewish family. Uh, he's in a couple Hall of Fames. Uh, one of them is the Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, if you're wondering if Sandy Koufax was the inaugural member of that, yes, he absolutely was in the inaugural class of that. Of course he was. He's the left hand of God. Um, later on, 
He will also, uh, and this is, sorry, Jason Leshack, he will become a member of the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Um, so he is in both of those. Uh, and that's because he was a really good freestyle swimmer. He messed around with a couple others. Uh, he participated in the individual medley a couple times. But for the most part, he was a quite talented um, freestyle swimmer. And that was, a, that was, in particular, was a swimming that the United States dominated for years, um, especially the 4x100. 4x100 comes in the Olympics in 1960. The U.S. wins every single gold coming into the 2000 Olympics. They have won gold in all of the 4x100 men's relays coming into Jason Leshack's uh, very first uh, Olympics, which is in Athens in 2000. Sorry, Sydney 2000. Athens is 2004. Um, that is the first time that the United States does not uh, get the gold medal in the 4x100 relay. Uh, it was uh, it was the Australian team. I don't remember, know if you remember Ian Thorpe. Um, again, this might have been something that didn't register name. with the rest of the world quite as much because he was a rival of Michael Phelps. And so us in Baltimore were like, that damn Ian Thorpe. Was it, it, who? You know, the Australian Ian Thorpe, the Thorpedo. He's like, who the fuck are you talking about? He's the guy that cruised <laughs> against Michael Phelps. Okay. He's, he was Michael Phelps's like first big swimming rival kind of, or at least that's how NBC used to phrase it. Um, and he leads the Australian team that uh, is, is, again, the first country to ever win the gold in this event other than the United States. Um, and, and, and it was a tough loss uh, for the U.S., for USA Swimming. Um, but Jason Leshack was, was still very young at that point. He was, uh, in 2000, um, only 25, which is you know, pretty close to your prime in swimming. Uh, you're maybe starting to go down, but that's still mid-prime uh, most of the time. When we come to 2008, um, everyone except for two guys is uh, 23 or 24. There's one 27-year-old, and then there's Jason Leshack, who by 2008 is 33. He's become the old man then. Uh, that's his third Olympics in 2004 in Athens. They they fall to bronze. Um, so Jason Leshag is now part of the only two four by 100 meter uh, relay teams, and again free relay, uh, freestyle specifically, that have not won gold in U.S. history. So it's it's not going great. Um, I mean he's he's still. A phenomenal swimmer. And the USA Swimming 2004 has a much better year. That is Michael Phelps' breakout year. He has six golds and two bronzes. Um, and that's when the big subject of 2008 first starts getting talked about. Um, because Mark Spitz, who, by the way, is another member of the Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Um, along with Jason Leeshack and Sandy Koufax. So Spitz um, has to be a top five, like mustache guy in sports history right he's a top I, five mustache i, I, I want to say top 10 before i think about it more and i think you could easily place in the top five but i can say without giving it any further thought he immediately is is top 10 um and he could he'd probably climb his way up there i'd have to say i think raleigh fingers is the waxed one right like that's gotta yeah win. oh yeah, yeah with the yeah i mean for someone to do that after the 1800s has to win right <laughs> Right. I mean, it's I would also say, he, remember when Mike Fears basically had a question mark shaved into his face? Yes. That was, that was nuts. He did that, and then he broke the Astros sign ceiling scandal. And I'm starting to think that he did that just so we would all forget that he shaved a question mark into his face at one point. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm the guy that broke the Astros now. See? Got it. Got to diversify. 1920s gangster Mike Fears. See? Um, anyway, 
Jason Lee Shack coming into 2008 is, you know, an afterthought uh, on the U.S. team. He's still very productive, but, like, everyone is talking about Michael Phelps because Michael Phelps is going to compete in eight events, and if he gets gold in all of them, he will have the most gold medals in any uh, Olympics ever for an individual. Um, again, in Baltimore, this is a huge deal. The Sun, every day, our newspaper, the Baltimore Sun, the cover was just the schedule of all of the, the not the sports cover, the cover page of the newspaper for a long period of time during which the swimming events were taking place was just the schedule of swimming events so that everyone knew to watch it. Um, we were we were absolutely ready to lose our minds. He, he gets his gold in, uh, in his first competition, and uh, the U.S. team has a really good qualifier. Uh, U.S. and France both do it. France is the team coming into this that is looking to dethrone the Americans this time. Um, they're led by Elaine Bernard, who is another just master of the freestyle. Um, he had some, he had some choice words uh, coming into this. He has some choice words, and I'm going to try and do them in, in, a, in a rough French a accent. As, as they go. <laughs> merde. Merde. There's some play that begins with the word merde, and my mom told me about it once while we were speaking about theater, and that's when I learned the word for shit in French, because <laughs> merde, uh, for those of you that don't know. Um, I'm going to try and do this in an accent. The Americans, we're going to smash them. That's what we came for. I'll start my games in the 4 by 100 final, confident that my pals will have qualified easily. If the relay goes according to plans, then we'll be on a roll. He's like, they're, they are assuming that they're going to win. And, and to be fair, this is a stacked French team. Uh, you've got Amélie Leveau, who is, uh, he, during the heats, sets the record for uh, best 100-meter leg. Um, and by the way, another thing that we should mention about the 2008 Olympics records fall left and right uh, because it's during a very brief time where FINA, uh, FINA, which is the Federación Internacional de... I'm so sorry, I'm trying to pronounce the French word for swimming. It's natación, I think, uh, but FINA is, is essentially similar to FIFA, the international organizing body for swimming. Uh, they allow these Speedo laser suits, LZR, and there are oils on the surface there's the uh, amount of surface area that it covers every like every record gets broken if you were not following swimming at that time it's it is absolutely absurd and they're being broken by like multiple second margins uh it is just the wild west this this uh this entire olympics in the swimming aquatic center that aquatic cube that they had in beijing god the, the architecture of the beijing olympics was so cool um and yeah, so uh, some records were set. Uh, so they had Amory Laveau, they had Fabien Guillot, who uh, had just uh, been part of every single team up to that point that had meddled in this event for France. Uh, he wasn't like crazy, but he was just always there for all those teams. Uh, Frédéric Bousquet, who was the uh, short track record holder for the, the 50 meter record uh, from 2008 until 2010. So he has that record during this time. And then Alain Bernard is their anchor. So this is an absolutely stacked French team. Um, you've got Michael Phelps and Garrett Weber-Gale and Cullen Jones, all in 23-24, all kind of at um, their, their come-ups. Michael Phelps is at the peak of his powers. And then uh, coming in six years older than the next closest person, which was Frederick Bousquet at 27, you have 33-year-old Jason Leshack um, getting ready to participate in the gold medal match. Um, things... Things happen about the way people expected them to early on. Phelps has has a phenomenal leg, but uh, France looks good. France looks really good. Um, now, the thing is, 
all the teams look good. You have the American team coming into the final turn where Jason Leshak's going to anchor this. Uh, they're also on world record pace, but they're losing by about a full body length to France. And Elaine Bernard and, uh, you know, gets, gets the jump on Leshak. Leshak comes into the water maybe half a second later. Um, Leshak is to the right of Bernard. So he's, he's talked about this. In, you know, he understands that the next 26 seconds that we're going to talk about here in this moment is the 26 seconds he will be remembered for for the rest of his life. He understands the, the magnitude of it. And I think it's really cool to hear him talk about it and to hear someone that, you know, doesn't hold any bitterness about there being this point that is kind of the point around which public perception of them and public knowledge of who they are revolves. Like, that that's what Jason Leshack is to people, uh, is, is this next 26 seconds. Um, and so he recounts it in amazing detail, um, which I won't get too into, but I do want to just kind of talk about his remembrance of it. He He goes down, and because he's on the right, He's breathing to the right. He doesn't see Bernard at all for the first 50 meters to the other edge. Um, he's just totally going on it. He rides a little bit of a wave. He does get a little bit of a wave to it if you see the wake um, along the line of it. He comes into that turn, and and he talks about their, this just second effort well. But he says that he hadn't really ever felt before, but he just, on that jump, on that first push off, he's like, I felt so good coming out of that wall that there was just something that kind of turned on and gave me a, a, a inventory of fuel that I just didn't know I had to some extent. Um, and now he's got Bernard in his sights. Now he's breathing towards Bernard's lane. He's seeing him the whole way down. Um, and he even halfway through, even with half of the lap going, he's still a full half body behind Bernard, even just the last 25 meters where he basically pulls a full six feet up to finish with uh, a 2606, which is sorry, a, a U.S. current record for the full 50, which is 4606, just an absolute insanely good time for this. Um, and uh, at the end of it, by believe less than a tenth of a second he delivers the second gold to michael phelps for his eight gold uh his eight gold pursuit which he goes ahead and finishes out uh within the week um michael phelps remains the most decorated olympian of all time and even michael phelps in interviews he said like you know he understands that that second one Jason Leshack went out and, and won that race to some extent. It's, it's a team effort, and he was in a good position. Again, he's in world record pace before they go into that. But he went and conquered Elaine Bernard. And we don't need to feel bad for Elaine Bernard. Elaine Bernard goes on to win uh, some gold along in that uh, same Olympics uh, for, for some individual competitions. Um, and that was, uh, that was, that kind of was Leshack's last big thing. He does make the 2012 Olympics. He appears at the 2012 Olympics at the age of 37, um, which is pretty great. He does swim um, in some some preliminaries. Uh, he does not participate in um, any of the races. He does get a swimmer, uh, or sorry, get a silver for being on the swim team for it. So uh, he, he is the only person in history as a male swimmer to get a uh, medal in the same event four times. Um, so he's, he's got that Michael Phelps, of course, goes on and does the same, uh, shortly thereafter, but, uh, yeah, Jason Leshek, like very much has that spot in history. And I, you know, I think a lot of people have seen that race 
I just think that it very much falls into the Michael Phelps myth making. And again, I'm not against Michael Phelps myth making, but it's important to know the guys behind it. Um, yeah, I, I love, love Jason Mishak. I always love watching that video because, like, the commentary of it is what really puts it in perspective. Because, like, even at the turn, they're like, oh, maybe he's got a chance. Uh, they should still have a chance at the silver here, but uh, no way they're going to catch him. And then, like, just them slowly realizing, like, oh, shit. Like, Disbelief. It's so, it's so good. The, the here comes Lezak, unbelievable mm-hmm. at the end. He's done it. It's one it's... of the most iconic NBC calls for the Olympics that I can remember. Yeah, it's like, it's okay. absolutely incredible. No, I, I could not agree more that the whole time there's, it is unbelievable to see. It's one of those pullaways that were, it is hard to understand how someone could be gaining on somebody in that short. Like, it is hard to fathom the amount of force that you have to be generating at that point. Um, it's, it's an incredible an absolutely incredible uh, accomplishment. Um, and like, he's, he's still super in swimming. Uh, he himself does not compete, but he's been very, uh, very involved in something called the international swim league, which is kind of like a, a exactly what it sounds like. Um, it is, there's domestic competitions for it as well, but for the most part, it is just, you know, teams that are privately owned for the most part, um, his being one of them, uh, just competing in meets. Uh, his is the top U S team right now. They finished third in the world pretty recently. Um, so he's, you know, still knows swimming quite well. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure if we were to record this another year from now, he'll find some other, uh, Jewish hall of fame to get inducted into. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that he and Mark Spitz have that connecting them. I, I hope they've gotten to meet, uh, at that facility at some point. Um, but Jason Leshek is just such an, an unbelievable rate. Um, and, and kudos to him for for helping michael phelps become the greatest olympian of all time he literally could not have done it without jason leeshack uh so that's my guy i i just i love stuff like that because it's like with every single like legend of any sport really like there's always the i don't want to call leeshack uh a role player but like there's those guys that made significant contributions that like in hindsight like lebron doesn't get a title if ray allen doesn't hit the corner three yeah, um, Jordan gets uh, the first title over the Jazz because Steve Kerr gets an 18-footer. Um, yeah, no, there's there's like guys. That. I mean, you know, sure the 2012 Yankees don't go any further, but like the 2012 Yankees, Raúl Abanez is not a huge part of that team, but Raúl Abanez is the reason that team wins the ALDS. Like, there's always Dillman Young is the reason that the Orioles won the 2014 ALDS. I bet you Dillman Young had 25 at bats that regular season for the Orioles or something like that. Um, Joe, it is Joe absolutely. Blacker doesn't get MVP uh, without Jacoby Jones being on that team. Absolutely, like there, it, there's nothing wrong with being a role player. You know, there's like there are only so many stars. And again, what I think is is incredible about someone like Jason Leshack is kind of the embracing of that. The the very much like, hey, I know that people know about this race more than any other one because it was part of this Michael Phelps thing. Like I know where. My, what my life and my recognition is centered around. And that's fine because it was a huge accomplishment. And, and he recognized like that was immense. That was the best competition that he ever like really got to be a part of. Um, and again, these, these laser suits, they're outlawed um, from international competition within a year or two. Uh, so the, the records that are being sent in these races, the 
climate and environment of these races is unlike one that has ever existed in competitive swimming otherwise. Um, and that's really something I think about that Olympics, uh, like that being part of, again, this larger Michael Phelps mythos. Um, but hey, I, Jason Leshack probably would never have been able to swim that 4606 without a Speedo laser. Uh, so shouts to Speedo. <laughs> Staying at the forefront of swimming technology. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my guy. And that brings us to uh, our, our election this week. Um, we, we the, the judges panel must now convene and decide on who is going to get inducted to the Hall of Guys uh, to join our, our previous recipients uh, from the unaired and never will be aired pilot episode. We got Damian Miller. And of course, from last week, we have Nolan Reimold uh, joining the Hall of Guys. But I'll go ahead and say, um, after talking about all of these, I'll, I'll get the, the conversation started. I'm feeling pretty strongly about Carlos Arroyo. There is something about the fall from grace that this moment triggers uh, that really speaks to me. So I, I will say early on, while I love Jason Leshack, I feel very passionately about Jason Leshack, uh, Carlos Arroyo did, did speak to me as, as a true Hall of Guy inductee. And being able to resurrect in more ways than one, coming back to be the point guard of the Miami Heat uh, true, in the true. LeBron era, and then um, also ascending to the top of the reggaeton world. So, that's the other thing like the whole the second life and again sean johnson an incredible second life as well um even jason leeshack with the isl but but you know you can turn being a gymnast into being famous i'm not going to say every time but i've seen that happen more times than i've seen a basketball player become an international reggaeton star <laughs> uh xavier any thoughts I, on, I, on I like Arroyo too. Um, like Diaz, I am also biased towards the showing off, showing off for Puerto Rico in international competitions. Absolutely, I, I'm I'm very partial to Arroyo. Although I do love Jason Leshack a whole lot. All right. Well, I, yeah. Again, we we love all of the guys that we bring here. We want to make that clear. We love Sean Johnson. We love Jason Leshack. Um, and they have honorable mentions. Maybe someday we'll revisit. We'll we'll pull together a bunch of the people that we've said no to so far and have a have a, a fresh ballot to see if anyone else uh, gets in on a second try. Um, but for now, congratulations, Carlos Arroyo, on your induction into uh, the Hall of Guys. On remember that guy. Um, if you have any guys that you want to nominate or talk about, um, please, we, we have several ways that you can reach out. Um, we do still have our email, uh, remember, uh, rememberingguys at gmail.com, all one word, no punctuation. Uh, then we also now have a, a Twitter where we're trying to do a, a guy of the day, as well as just other idiotic sports thoughts that pop into our minds. Uh, and that is Remember Guys Pod on Twitter, at Remember Guys Pod. Uh, so feel free to check those out and let us know about other other guys that you feel strongly about. Um, anyone else got anything to, to plug before we head on out? Uh, nothing else to plug, but I will say for, uh, for our theme for next week, I want to go with, um, let's, uh, how do I want to phrase this? Aged like a fine wine. So guys that maybe came onto the scene not super notorious. However, going out on top, uh, a late resurgence, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, but my, uh, my, my theme and my challenge to you two for next week is uh, age like a fine wine, guys that went out on top, uh, guys that resurrected their careers. Um, 
anything along that sort of vein. I like that. I like that. I can definitely work with that. Um, Xavier, got anything else you want to say before we head on out here? Uh, not, not, not today. Uh, just go watch the East family on YouTube. I'm very much enjoying this right now. Hey, go get some wholesome quality content from the East family on YouTube. Um, go watch some amazing highlights of the Ravens 34 to six win over the chargers today. If you really want to feel, uh, feel great about just some high quality football. And, um, I think with, with one last thing, if you could please Diaz, uh, go ahead and give us, uh, uh, just one last name. So here's the guy last sixer to wear number three before Allen Iverson. 1994-95 uh, NBA All-Star Game participant and rap artist uh, who co-featured with Shaquille O'Neal, Ina Barrows. Ina Barrows. Oh, that's good. That's good. Just, good. Uh, and if I could just, I, I just want to tear through some names that were on that album as well because it's oh, fantastic. Please. please. So uh, the album was B-Ball's Best Kept Secret, and it's just a bunch of early 90s basketball players. So... Uh, Shaq, of course, was on that. Cedric Ceballos, Jason Kidd, mm. J.R. Ryder, Dennis Scott, uh, Gary Payton were all on that album. Uh, and then also just to make an appearance as an actual uh, rap artist, uh, Warren G. was also on that album. Hey, there you uh, because... go, Warren G. And there you go, Shaq, for getting a, a real name. He did. He did. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, Ina Barrows' single was the intro song uh, for the Rice Turkey Sanchez podcast, which uh, is, to me, it's still the pinnacle of podcasting. I don't know if it'll ever be matched, but uh, Dana Barrows, there's a guy to go out on. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you for helping us remember Dave Barrows. Thank you for joining us to remember some guys. Uh, I'm James, that's Diaz, that's Xavier, and we will talk to you next Sunday. It's a good thing this is just the game